Welcome to IO Talks, your source for real talks with real builders in the blockchain and IoT industry. We have a special IO Talks for you today, all the way from Bangkok, Thailand. IOTech's community lead Alina sat down with Band Protocol co-founder and CEO Sorabis. This episode is all about blockchain data, how it's sourced, governed, and ultimately used in decentralized applications. Projects like IOTech and Band Protocol are building powerful tools across data oracles, queryable data structures, trusted computing, and much more to make blockchain truly trusted and useful. Not all data is created equal. We explain exactly what we mean in this episode. We hope you enjoy. Hello, iTex community, and welcome to our new show. Today we have a special guest from very far away. Uh, we are right now in Bangkok, Thailand, and today we have Mr. Soravis from Band Protocol. Thank you awesome. so much for joining us. No, thanks for having me. <laughs> awesome. So today we hope to have just an informal chat and talk all things band protocol, the initiatives that are happening in Thailand, Asia, and all things blockchain and crypto. So let's get into it. Sounds good. Could you tell us a little bit more about your project and what band protocol is? Sure. Um, so as you mentioned, you know, I'm a CEO, I'm a, sorry, uh, CEO and uh, co-founder of Band Protocol. Um, what we try to do is we want to be a decentralized data governance protocol. Uh, it's a bit of a mouthful, but um, what that means is um, we provide the framework for the data management and data handling for the apps. Okay? Um, if you think about decentralized application at the moment, um, none of them really have data outside of blockchain. Okay? Um, and that's a big problem because that um, really limits a lot of the abilities for this smart contract to be actually smart. Right? Right. Um, for example, you know, um, if you want to make a decentralized um, finance application, a lot of that would really depend on price of Ethereum in USD, mm-hmm. Bitcoin in USD, price of stock, price of commodities, right? Um, none of that really exists in blockchain, right? Um, mm-hmm. So what we want to do is we want to we, we want to create a protocol such that we can create a reliable database of all this data, um, so that a lot of the decentralized application can consume it reliably. Mm-hmm. And is the data all stored on chain? That's right. Um, Initially, uh, mm-hmm. most of the data that we want to target uh, will be stored on chain because none of them are really understand uh, would not consume a lot of the data, uh, right? For example, Bitcoin USD. Mm-hmm. This is a key value pair, right? Um, it's, uh, it's, it's small enough such that mm-hmm. we can store it into blockchain and it can be easily consumed by the apps. Right? But mm-hmm. as we grow our ecosystem, as we grow to more data type, uh, we also exploring multiple, uh, I guess, way to store data. For example, which is a Merkle root hash. For example. Right. So in order to scale, right, you will be changing. That's right. That's Correct. Right. That's very interesting. What are um, I guess for our general community and followers, what are your users or the general use cases? Right. Um, so again, if you think about us, there are two type of users of our protocol. Right? Mm-hmm. One is the data providers. Um, and data providers are basically, um, let's say, companies or people who supply data into the blockchain at a regular tone, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I continue my example of, uh, let's say, price fee, right? Um, so this type of people maybe are exchanges, you know, data provider like CoinMarketCap or ChainFX, who would provide, let's say, Bitcoin in USD every 30 minutes, right? directly into blockchain, right? The other type of user are the data consumers. And mm-hmm. data consumers are basically decentralized applications that need to utilize these data. Right? Now, for example, rely on price feed in order to liquidate the CDP. Mm-hmm. Right? 
um, compound DYDX, uh, a lot of stable coin all depend on the same price feed. Right? Mm -hmm. What is the Bitcoin USD at the moment? Ethereum USD at the moment, right? This day, the consumer basically pay a small query fee, mm -hmm. like an API fee, right? Um, in order to retrieve data from the blockchain, and this feed and get distributed back into data providers. That create an incentive for them to sort of you know, be reliable and provide the data at a uh, regular interval, so mm -hmm. that they receive all this consumption fee from the data customers. Are we talking about any sort of data? And to be a data contributor, anybody can do it, like a regular user can contribute data. That's right. Um, so two questions there. Um, are we talking about any, any type of data? Yes. Um, I think the, the scope is really wide. Um, right. From you know, just price feed, event feed, for example, mm -hmm. and you know, what happened in Pimili, for example, so mm -hmm. that you can create a betting app easily or prediction mm -hmm. market easily, right? Talking about decentralized identities, for example, Right, IoT, actually a lot of data that come from IoT is a lot of data that can be curated and put it into blockchain um, such that it's, um, it would enable more type of application to be built with smart contract. It's really flexible in that sense, right? And now if you talk about who can become uh, data providers, um, this is actually quite broad, meaning anyone who stake tokens can actually become a data provider. But obviously this depends on the application, right? Meaning. In order for them, in order for people application to feel secure about this type of data, we think that there need to be two sort of incentive at stake. Right. One is the finan financial financial right? So I stake tokens yeah. in order to become data providers. Two, I need to stake my reputation, right? Yeah. So not just regular people, but I also stake my reputation as a business that hey, I would be reliable, right? Mm -hmm. So I can continue that with, uh, I guess example of data feed. Right. Mm -hmm. If let's say, hey, I'm Binance, you know, I prove that I'm Binance, and I would provide this um, as one of the data providers, that would assure a lot of the, obviously, the application that, hey, you know, I'm, yeah. I know Binance aren't going to cheat on me and try to game the system. Right. Make it down, maybe a data provider himself, to say, hey, you know, I will ensure that all this data are reliable. Interesting, because like recently, a lot of I think projects are looking into the Steemit-like approaches, right? So they are trying to like spin it, um, spin it off in their own way. Like EOS, for example, announced the social media initiative, which is in a way similar. I guess the idea is to give back to those who create content, right? But also by putting it on the blockchain, you're able to make sure it's accurate, right? You can trust the data, and exactly the D apps can reuse use it for their for their own needs similar to I guess IOT right when we're talking about sensors um, and any IOT devices we need to make sure that they're collecting trustworthy data right. that is accurate because you cannot have um, an unsecured device out there um, with contradicting data that is unusable for later right. on so I guess we can draw some connections for sure for over sure. here data is really broad right? and, and yeah. it's really applied to almost I mean, literally every application, right? mm -hmm. um, especially decentralized application, which do not have their own data. Right, exactly. What do you think about data oracles? Like, what's your view on the data oracle? And um, I guess if you know any projects or anybody who has Im implemented the data oracle that you think is, is good. So I think, I mean, data oracle is almost like us, right? So we are, we are also providing that as a decentralized data oracle. Like so could you are. say that you are in a way? Yes. Yes. It's okay. definitely one of the key pillars for us. Mm -hmm. Yes, data oracle. Uh, I mean, if you look at the oracle space at the moment, right? Um, you, there are probably two or three main players at the moment, right? Oracleize is one of them mm -hmm. because they are probably one of the first to do this. Right? Um, 
the problem is they are quite centralized in, yeah. in their approach. Okay. Um, the second project, which is probably the largest project right now in terms of more decentralized Oracle, mm -hmm. is Chainlink. Um, probably heard of them. Chainlink is um, basically trying to connect um, API from outside world, provide that data back into the blockchain. So almost similar to us. Yeah. Um, I, I would say um, in terms of the problem that we try to solve, um, it's exactly the same. Uh, we just take a really different approach. Um, with Chainlink, um, they are more of a, I, I say, a Q&A approach. Meaning, you know, every time consumers or data, uh, anytime the apps want to get data, they ask Chainlink. And say, okay, wait a minute. I will go ask my data providers and ask for the answers. Now, it retrieve all the answers, aggregate them, and then put, give that back to the apps. Right? Hey, the is true, the not, right? Mm -hmm. That by itself is more flexible than us. Um, so that's the good thing. Um, right. The con is obviously a delayed transaction because every transaction need to wait for Chainlink to complete. Uh, as well as it doesn't scale. So if there are hundred, a thousand of the app who ask for the same information, Chainlink has to do the same exact same process for every time. Right? Yeah. So think of it as a Q and A, right? Right. Um, whereas for us, we take different approach. Meaning, instead of you know Q and A, or the data provider already provide the, the answer. So every time the app want to get this data, they just you know retrieve from the database, right? Just mm -hmm. read, just look it up. Right? right. So that means even if there are hundred, thousand of the app, it would still just consume. Yeah, you know, um, the same type of data doesn't mm -hmm. have to. The data provider doesn't have to, I guess, do the same work in, uh, again and again. Right? The drawback is obviously that it's not It has to be a really structured data. Yeah. It cannot be any type of question. It cannot be any type of answer. It has to be really structured. Uh, so you need so to that's, automate that's the information, right? right? Sorry. You need to automate the information and organize it in a way so you're able to, I guess, sort of like with AI. Um, you in need a way, to have a right? sort of standard way to encode the data. Right? Yeah. Um, so it, it means, uh, I guess, easier for the apps to work with this mm -hmm. because then they know exactly what type of answer they would get. Right. Interesting. All right. Going back. Yeah. Not <laughs> too much technical not, detail. Yes, not so. digging too much into the tech stuff, although we will come back to it. But um, I think it will be very interesting for the community to find out more about you and where you're coming from. Sure. And I think like in every blockchain interview or crypto influencer, they all ask like, what's your background right. and how did you get into crypto? But it's still very interesting because um, everybody has different stories. Everybody has different background. And this is what makes it very interesting, right? right? You have something unique to offer. So can we hear your story? Sure. Um, so I come from a... Uh the, the funny part is, even though I'm, a, I'm more on the business uh, type now, uh, I actually have a technical background. So mm -hmm. I did computer science back in uh, college. Um, I, I did uh, computer science in undergrad at Stanford, um, and then I did management science for my bachelor uh, master degree. So both of them are more engineering focused right. as well. Um, and at that time, that's when I first learned about cryptocurrencies, you know, because I, I took a course in cryptography at Stanford. How long ago was it, roughly? Uh, it was back um, in 2012. Yeah, that was okay. 2012. So that was quite long way, time. Back then, way back then, right? Nobody really talked about Bitcoin or Ethereum. Yeah. Right? Um, yes, and that was really one of the more sketchy times where, you know, when, I was, when we need to buy Bitcoin, we need to like wire transfer to like Cypress and, and like the bank would ask you like 10 times, like, are you sure? <laughs> you really, really want to do this transaction, right? Because it's really sketchy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, things move forward. Um, I sort of went into uh, management background. So I went mm -hmm. into, uh, I was a management consultant for two years. 
this was U.S. or Thailand? That was back in South Asia. Yes. Mm -hmm. So when I when I finished college, I was like, hey, you know, I always want to start my own business. I always want to start it in South Asia because that's where I, I come from. Um, right. And I really want to contribute back to my countries and you know people around the world. Right? Um, and so I, I moved back. Um, didn't know what I want to do at the moment. Um, mm -hmm. So I was like, yeah, hey, you know, let's let's go to uh, consulting. And so, uh, I would broaden my scope. You know, apart from just technical, I would learn more about the business. Right. Right. So I did that for two years at the Boston Consulting Group. Right. Um, and then at that time, it was roughly 2016. That's when you know I at the side I was like learning blockchain more and decided to you know, invest more into cryptocurrencies. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's when I say, hey, you know, this is the time I want to quit and I want to really pursue this full time because I think it's really a worthwhile course um, in terms of making the world more decentralized. Um, mm -hmm. Not to mention all the politics in Thailand that really motivated me to really want to start something um, like this. Very interesting. So the idea was, apart from giving back to, to your home country, but also taking on the idea of the decentralized and kind of like power to the people democracy that's approach, right? right? right. I think I, I became more much more interested in politics and this, uh, becoming more liberal, I guess. Yeah. Um, over the past five to six years, after I you know, started getting into blockchain, started to, um, I guess, start to learn more about Thai politics and, as well mm -hmm. as, uh, I guess, world politics as well. Did, did it ever make you think of a way how to, I guess, put politics on the blockchain and oh, yeah, figure sure. out think, use cases well, for I mean, it? If you think about Bitcoin as a politic on a blockchain, right? I mean, literally, right? It's, it's a decentralized money where no government can control. Right? True. So in, in the sense that is almost like we're trying to govern our own you know, values, we're trying to govern our own, you know, um, I guess, country, if you mm -hmm. say, right? And that's why dangerous part is you're becoming a tribe just like how you see you know all the conflict within blockchain space i think it's quite yeah. normal um, it actually reflect and mirror a lot of the real world politics do you think uh van protocol for example in the future in a way can can fight for the information transparency when we're talking about like that's kind of like what i meant right for the political right. parts like freedom of speech transparency like in the data information accessibility to it and right. uh like the voting is a yeah. big one right especially for like developing countries yeah. i think uh, many many of us can relate sure. uh coming from those countries so yeah do you think band protocol sort of like can have that uh, that vision in the future or go right. towards it I think the ultimate goal for Ben is to, to ultimately create this reliable data for everyone, right? Not just the app, but also general consumers, right? Mm -hmm. As you mentioned a lot, uh, you see that news and media are being used as a weapon to attack your opponents, right? Freedom of speech are being yeah. limited, especially in this part of the world. Um, and I truly believe that blockchain and a lot of what we work here at Ben Protocol will ultimately try to enable that vision, right? To, 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 have, to enable people to have more, I guess, freedom of speech, um, mm -hmm. to actually have access to more reliable data um, yeah. when it comes to real-world data, you know, not, not being in the bubbles, it's like, you know, how you explore in Facebook and all that, right? So I think yeah. hopefully, well, it's, it's still a noble go far away, um, but I think, I think this is a good first step. Yeah, I agree with you. How is Thailand in terms of the crypto and blockchain space? How is it? Is it friendly towards startups and uh, tech people? I guess right. tech teams who are looking to to do anything and like innovate in the blockchain space. I think Thailand is really interesting in the sense that we are actually more open to crypto than than other parts of the world. Mm -hmm. um, surprisingly. <laughs> um, uh, we are, How is that so? Like, why? Right. Why do you think that is? I think 
partly because I would I wouldn't get too political, but I think partly yeah. because you know obviously you know election is coming. Um, that's number one. I mean, which oh. came, but um, happened. That, that, that <laughs> happened somehow. Um, but it happened back then, right? And at the same time, I think people were, um, especially the people at the how do you call it the, um, at the uh, the SEC equivalent mm. um, in Thailand, um, much more open to much more open to this cryptocurrencies uh, movement. Uh, partly, I think because there's a lot of people who are involved in cryptocurrencies and mm-hmm. are also involved there. Mm-hmm. So it's the same group of people, right? mm-hmm. uh, meaning more influential people, people who have more connection as well. So right. I, think, I think that's that definitely helped. Do you think it could be because it's a different generation, maybe younger generation? That's true as well. Involved. Uh, that's true as well. I think I think Thailand, um, even though we have uh, a quite backward government, we do have a really progressive uh, private sectors. Mm-hmm. We have quite really well developed private sectors, and, and I think that's part of the reason why we see strong push mm-hmm. because of all this innovation. Government trying to push more to for you know, trying to be more friendly to startup, trying to be friendly to SME. So I think that that definitely helped. I think it would take a lot more time for them to yeah. truly understand and come up with a real uh, good legislation, but at least the stand toward it is has been quite effective. Okay, correct me if I'm wrong, but currently, so the um, SEC equivalent in Thailand has already given a few exchanges licenses, That's right? right? That's right. So, uh, what about ICOs? Are you able to execute ICOs um, in Thailand legally uh, or? Yes, no. So this is why this is why I said they have a positive stand, but I don't mm-hmm. think they have a good understanding of it, right? So uh, in Thailand, in order for you to do ICOs, you can legally. Um, mm-hmm. The only thing that holds you back is a requirement that you need to be registered with the SEC, right? You also need to go through this so-called ICO portal mm-hmm. um, that has to be uh, basically receive a license to be ICO portal. Mm-hmm. Whatever that means, because you know, <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes when you do ICO back then, right? You do on Ethereum, right? I don't know. If I should ask Vitalik or you know, <laughs> how, do, how do I do this, right? Um, but but in Thailand, you need mm-hmm. to go through all those processes in order to receive solicit money from you know, retail investors, in mm-hmm. which is a good and bad thing. Like I said, I think it's, it does protect some of the investors. The bad thing is obviously it adds more hurdles, right? Uh, it Higher costs, barrier, right? Yeah. It adds more costs. All these licenses take money. It takes time. And if you are truly a decentralized project like us, mm-hmm. obviously we're not gonna have like financial statement for you to audit. Obviously we're not gonna have like you know, um, let's say a, a full blown uh, team and all this business plan, yeah. all it out like a normal private company, right? Mm-hmm. Or a long history, like when you do IPO, right? Not gonna mm-hmm. happen. But that's what they ask for. Right? Yeah, so your financial yeah. statement, they ask you for it. So it's like, kind of like legal but impossible. Yes, right. So it's legal but impossible. But hey, you know, at least we have, something. we have something to work with. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So what about you guys? Like, Van uh, Protocol started 2017? Yeah? So it's been almost two years or over Almost two, two years, that's right. Almost two years. Yeah. How, what about like funding? How are you guys, how did you start up? How big is your team? Yeah. And about funding, like are you getting any sort of like support or did you raise private um, seeds, rounds or? So right now we are a team of eight people, so we try mm-hmm. to keep our, our, our team small uh, mm-hmm. and lean uh, to make sure that we deliver results. Uh, but at the same time, we don't obviously you know, have a really short runway, right? Because you know, things in blockchain take time. Right? Yeah. And for good reason, not just because there are too many scammers, um, but it takes time because a lot of the blockchain projects really take on problems that are more toward research, yeah. more than you know, finding a product market fit. Right? I mean, it's a combination, and that's why it takes a lot more time than most people expect. Right? 
Exactly. Um, and now talking about runway, uh, we did raise our seed round back in uh, 2018. Mm -hmm. So last year, uh, we raised $3 million uh, mm -hmm. seed round from Sequoia, Luna uh, Moon Partnered, which is the owner of Puppet Exchange uh, mm -hmm. in Korea. Um, and one of the VC funds here in Thailand called Safe Managers. So three main investors who lead the round and, and we are continuing to do that. Um, hopefully um, we will finally, we, we have our testnet um, launched last month. Mm -hmm. And we're getting up for that final maintenance as well as an exchange and subsequent listing soon. Mm -hmm. Really hit all the milestones. We really have a product live now. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, a couple of products as well. Uh, you can check it out. What are yeah. your products, by the way? What are our products? Might as yes. well mention them. It's good. Um, so, apart from obviously the hardcore smart contract and the developer yeah. you know, platform, right? Uh, we have two live products uh, at the moment. Uh, one is the data feed. Mm -hmm. right. So as I mentioned, you know, we curate and common data so that the app can be used, right? Mm -hmm. So as as part of that, we do we build um, right now four examples of that data feed, right? Price feed for cryptos, right? Mm -hmm. Actually, not just crypto. We have price feed for cryptos, stock commodities, right? Um, we have event feed, for example, spot event, and then Premier League, who win in NBA, right? Again, mm -hmm. enable a lot of the prediction market to happen. Mm -hmm. um, lottery result. Um, this is also something that um, is quite interesting. Right? How can we enable people to play, in, let's say, Powerball in the US, and enable people to actually participate in others around the world. Um, and four is the decentralized identities. Still just uh, just started, so it's mm -hmm. quite new. Uh, but we try to explore more on that idea because we think it's a big market size and a big potential disruptor almost all the, the apps, right? So that's, that's an the, interesting one. Yeah, so that's the, that's the data feed product. Okay? The other product is called Koi Hatcher. Uh, this is basically a website that aggregates um, news, research content, you know, crypto project profiles, founders' profiles, and exchanges, um, and curate those information to make sure that this information are reliable. So, yeah, no fake news, no you know ICO show, no token show, um, and everyone can actually participate in this ecosystem. Meaning, anyone can you know, use the token to go in and curate the type of content being shown on the website. So you look at that, uh, even though it's just on testnet, people can actually participate now with the, with the testnet tokens. Interesting. Question, just out of my curiosity. In case if any low quality or bad content, let's say, gets on CoinHatch, right, right, into the feed, uh, the community, since they're governed, can they downvote it to, for it to be removed if it's That's recorded right. as scam? That's, That's exactly how it works? Right. Um, the way it works is, in order for you to submit the news, you need to submit a collateral as well, mm -hmm. right, along with the data. So if okay. somebody challenges you and say, hey, you know, this content is wrong for whatever reason, they provide a reason, challenge you, and you lose, you will lose that stake token. Uh -huh. So you have incentive for you not to post something weird, not to post right. something yeah, like fake news because people can easily detect that. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. And that is the economic incentive of how we say people can help curate the news. Uh, and, and the incentive is if you know, all these token holders try to vote for good content only, mm -hmm. that would draw more audience, that would draw more readers yeah. who say, hey, you know, I want to come to this website because it's more reliable than, let's say, CNN, which you know, just shut down. CCN, CCN yeah, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> just shut down, right? Um, uh, and, and so, Unexpected. Yeah. Right. But this can actually be the answer to exactly what's happening right now because we, we all know the giants that kind of like control right. and censor a lot of the information. So maybe that's the thing. Like 
the decentralized platforms and applications can actually give that freedom of speech, right? And be able to let the people decide what they want to see, how they want to see it, how often, right? And what they're interested in. So we don't have the targeted advertisements and just like removal of right. uh, certain contents. Sure. So uh, just to check how many currently readers and yeah. contributors are on the website and what kind of topics are you focused on? Got it. Um, in terms of the content, mm -hmm. um, it's all related to the blockchain industry and, and this ranges from like news, you know, daily news, mm -hmm. um, to research content. So mm -hmm. as you know, a lot of the thought leaders like to publish things on mediums, so we curate that as well, as mm -hmm. well as things on Twitter. So again, we have a big crypto Twitter um, yeah. in the world, right? So, so a lot of the content are being in Twitter as well. So all of this content can be posted into a direct into our website. Mm -hmm. so that's why we want to be a one-stop shop. Right? Yeah. Say, you know, right now, I'm not going to have time to follow on Twitter thread. I'm not going to have time to follow all the Medium's articles. Right? But if I, yeah. I, I want to I create a world where hey, I can come to Hatcher that you know, will aggregate all the reliable and good content for me to follow and where mm -hmm. it wants me to be. Right? Um, so that's the goal. Uh, we launched this the beta version uh, last month. Mm -hmm. Now we have about 40,000 uh, readers basically the visitors to our website. Mm -hmm. So that's a that's a good amount given the, the market is still not well the market is starting to recover. Yeah. Uh, and then hopefully you know we will pick up more stream as we go forward. Mm -hmm. So currently the content is all in English. Are it's you, all in English, yeah. Are you looking to expand to more languages in the future? We do we do want to expand into um, other languages like Chinese, Korean, you know, the big the bigger market mm -hmm. as well. Um, but I think that's still probably a bit further away. Right. We, we want to make sure that we get all the incentive right. We want to make sure we get all these parameters right. We want mm -hmm. to make sure that we can create a reliable website first. Mm -hmm. Once that happens, then I think the, the language should be much much easier. To Any sort of uh, roadmap for the final product, or is it sort of like ongoing process? I think it's more ongoing. Ongoing. Uh, it's more ongoing. Definitely, right now it's all functional. Mm -hmm. So it's all about improving the quality. It's about improving the incentive. It's all about yeah. testing on experimenting with us. Because there's a lot of experiment to play with. What is the you know, minimum stake? What is the time for people to vote? How do you, how do you make sure people don't game the system? Just right. like the crypto economics and the gamifying right. part, right. right? So it would take some time to configure and you know, sort of converge into something that we sort of agree to it uh, mm -hmm. or believe that it will work, right? Um, and that would take some time. Are you taking in feedback from the community or how can they contribute right. to you creating this product and kind of like be a part of it? For sure. So I think, I mean, we have an open Telegram channel. We are opening up Discord as, as well for developers. Mm -hmm. uh, but right now, most of the comments are being shown um, on Telegram. Mm -hmm. That helps us a lot into the feedback and all that. So, yeah. Awesome. Do you have... Um like in terms of your telegram and I guess going to the community stuff, um, are you focused more on the international communities? Are you mostly focused on the Thai market? What is your sort of strategy right. for the community and view? I think we focus a lot in international communities. Um, again, blockchain is a global, uh, right? Mm -hmm. It's quite global. Uh, and, and if you look at our target market, um, a lot of the DeFi projects are actually in the US. Right? Actually mm -hmm. in the US. So we do target a lot of, a lot of those um, people in the US. Uh, a lot in Korea as well. Mm -hmm. uh, given one of our investors also from Korea. Right. Uh, right. So yes, not just Thailand. Uh, we do expand uh, to internationally. 
mm-hmm. although we do have a strong base in Thailand as well. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. That would be logical, right, yeah. since your headquarters here. What about uh, just kind of like going back, um, you personally, in order to stay up to date and have your hand on the pulse constantly with the latest updates, the latest news releases, main nets of this world, yeah. how do you personally kind of like stay on top of it? Where where do you follow all the news and all the projects? Right. Or do you at all? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, I do follow. That's why I create Quiet Hatcher, right? I, I do read <laughs> Quiet Hatcher um, as well as I encourage everyone to read Quiet Hatcher. Um, but not to advertise my own products. I do read um, and follow some of the newsletter. Newsletters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think newsletter is always best um, because obviously that curates some of the content already. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, but it's more centralized curation. Right. Um, one, one of my favorite is Token Economy. Um, mm-hmm which is good. It's curated by Stefano uh, from, I think he's Joy Aragon now. Uh, but it's one of the, I think, one of the best news that I keep up with. Uh, mm-hmm. I do read um, regular news, obviously. Uh, so I do, um, and I do Twitters. <laughs> so I do, uh, it, it does That's another major source. <laughs> that's consume some of my time. Um, Bangkok is heavily, uh, has a really heavy traffic. So that's yeah. where I spend most of my time, right? In traffic that I would, you know, Especially right now, given the rainy season, basically yeah, right. everything stops <laughs> for most yeah, of the day. <laughs> yep. Okay. Yeah. So. Cool. What about, uh, I wanted to ask about the recent hackathon. I think you were a part of okay. with UNICEF, yeah. right? Could you share more about that initiative? Because I think this is the first time that you guys have partnered up right. and with Amisago, Band Protocol, what other projects were there? Um, so UNICEF um, organized a lot of these hackathons around the world. Mm. Right? Um, they recently came to Bangkok and partnered with Omicicro to organize the event. We were part of the sponsor to help organize and, and sponsor the prize, mm-hmm. uh, as well as participate in the hackathon. Right? Um, so some of the projects are you know, Status, Megadao, Genosis, uh, and Message from Thailand as well, uh, and has that protocol, Omicicro, that sort of help uh, participate in the event. Do get um, some of the external, I guess, local developers to come in and, and, and hack away on the weekend uh, to create a, let's say, a impact uh, sol- solution that impacts uh, you know, real world societies, right? And it's funny because we actually participate as well, so we send in our small team. <laughs> our CTO was, uh, was uh, presenting, but we also sent our uh, small team to participate in the hackathon, and we won the first prize. Really? <laughs> it's a bit ironic, so we were like, hey, let's not, let's not show it. <laughs> it's a bit weird, but yes, we, we did won the first prize, um, and it's funny because we, so we, we started at the event by talking to the people at UNICEF, talking to us and told us about this problem of children immigrants who came with uh, construction workers uh, who have no opportunity to go to school right? mm-hmm. uh, because they have to travel constantly with their, with their you know, parents right? who are construction workers. Mm. And there's actually a lot of companies who want to sponsor these children right, to go to school, which is basically a construction company. Mm-hmm. They want to sponsor them. There's no easy way for them to manage that. Um, there's no easy way for them to convince the parents to send the children to school. Right? And so what we built over that weekend was that we built a, a, almost like a solution where uh, it's a smart contract where you know, every time students go check into school, so we use a status card, so it's pretty cool. So we use all the projects that are there. So we use a status card, they have mm-hmm. a hardware wallet that they recently launched. We use that as a student card. Uh, and then every time a student can register with the construction company, right? Construction company sent die uh, stable coin, is a maker that was there, um, to um, as a, as a multi-sig uh, wallet. Mm-hmm. Obviously by Genosis, because they were there too. So you know, we tried to integrate oh, all wow. the people, right? So um, putting that into Genosis uh, wallet, 
And then after that, every time students check in, the mm -hmm. smart contract automatically send the money from that pool to directly to the student card as well as to the parents, uh, to the school, sorry. Mm -hmm. So it sponsored both the school to accept students and it also sponsored parents and creating that incentive for parents to send students to school, right? Because they will receive money as part of sending their, right. their money to school, right? So we built that prototype over the weekend. And it's pretty cool because now UNICEF is really, really interested. Um, we are going to have a talk with them actually tomorrow mm -hmm. to see how we can further the collaboration and further that. Interesting. And then we're to basically curate the, the list of school, reliable school, because obviously if school is bad, then they can actually cheat by you know taking yeah. all the student cards and you know, shaking in and then receive all the money by themselves. Right? Mm -hmm. So we, we do try to integrate maybe partners into that, into that ecosystem. That's a very cool use case. Do you currently have any existing partnerships or any like use cases or are you involved any into any hardware production or like manufacturing? Hardware, uh, not so much on hardware. Uh, mm -hmm. because we, we do mostly with the, with the obviously the data. Right. So, so not, not so much on the hardware. We do have some partnership with uh, other projects. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, cannot publicly disclose yet, but we we'll, okay. we'll do so in the in the in the, in the near future. Yes. Okay. I think once this right. <laughs> will sort of start moving, then yeah. yeah. Awesome. That's very exciting. Congratulations. For sure. Thank you. I was uh, very curious to hear how the hackathon went, just because of the program that was happening around okay. the UNICEF. And I think it's a great initiative to do sure. such things uh, around the world in different cities and involve local projects. So that's very cool. Um, another thing. So IOTechs, for example, we are focused on the computation part, right? So private computation on the edge devices, as well as creating and manufacturing our own hardware. Since you're also involved into the data um, area or business, right, industry, however you want to call it, uh, we're super big on privacy and security. In terms of band protocol, what's your view on privacy and security? What are some of the ways that you um, are faced with it, and how do you how do you ensure that the data is private and secure? Right. So again, I think I think for us the, the version one um, mm -hmm. in terms of privacy is actually quite simple. Meaning meaning you know we just store most of the sensitive information off chain, right? Mm -hmm. And only the encrypted or the, the root is stored on chain for verification purpose. Um, mm -hmm. So there would be no way for people to actually reverse engineer and figure out the data. Right? Mm -hmm. That's version one. Um, right. We are trying to collaborate with other projects um, when it comes to full data privacy, uh, on-chain data privacy. Um, I think it will take a lot more time um, for a lot of projects to get there. Mm -hmm. um, but we want to start collaborating with them. Right? So mm -hmm. Enigma, for example, doing a secure computation with the team, right? uh, with the secure enclave of uh, Intel. Um, right. We also try to explore that as well. Mm -hmm. and, you know, um, since you mentioned IOTX, um, also you know, working on, on the, the data privacy and securities, we'd love to talk more because I think this is something that would benefit the entire industry. Yeah, definitely. And this is something that, uh, I mean, we did a soft launch of this at this time of the recording. Um, we have a product that will be coming out soon. It's our own in-house um, development board called Avaboard. And basically the idea is to do computation, uh, private computation on the device. So it can be also a gateway to your, it can sync and connect to your IoT devices. You can use it like that. Um, and there will be a few more use cases that we will re release in the white paper. But uh, the Avaboard 
also has the uh, TE chip installed into it exactly for this uh, for this need because you're able to do private computation that all the data coming in is encrypted it's computed and it gets out uh, encrypted as well so there is no way to uh, for the information to be leaked or anybody else to access it and you're able to ensure that the data is accurate it's reliable right so if you're for example if we're talking about like medical use cases or like dealing with IoT devices like bands and um, devices that like measure very vital parts of our health it's crucial for that information like for those numbers to be accurate so our board is just like one of the ways, one of the tools to to ensure that the devices are uh, collecting the accurate information. All right, so I would like to thank so much Service for making it. Uh, it was a pleasure meeting you here in Bangkok, Thailand, and I'm sure that uh, we will be in touch exploring more opportunities for collaboration and also making uh, innovations and changes in the blockchain space. So wishing you good luck. Um, thank you. Any last words or wishes to our community? Right, the last word. Um, well, I mean, thank you as well for the invitation and honor to start uh, as a first guest, I guess, in Bangkok. Yes, <laughs> this will be well. the highlighter <laughs> for the Asia. Right. So I think, I think, I think that's good. Um, last word for communities, um, I think, you know, obviously, I think a lot of people are looking into the into the blockchain space, you know, um, with skeptics, right? With skeptic mm -hmm. eyes, right? Now people are to say, hey, you know, we'll project delivers, we'll, we'll get to that because obviously with, with the price crack, right? Yeah. Um, we're still here. <laughs> I think we're still here. I think we all of us still have really high hope and really have a, a lot of high goal to, to achieve in the next couple of years. Sure, it will not take you know, three months. It will not take six months as many other projects or people promise. Everything big takes time uh, and I think we really need the support of communities. Uh, yeah. Whether you be just a regular communities like you know, people who just follow the projects, whether you are developers, you know, looking to get into blockchain space, whether you are just traders, you know, we all welcome you. And I think it's always good to have um, communities who not just support you but question you and really you know help to balance challenge you even. Challenge you. Yeah. I think I think that's always a good thing. Um, so really glad to have all this initiative with IOTX, uh, hopefully more this initiative with other projects as well. Um, to both educated communities and get more participation from the communities because I think that's a that's a really big part of a successful project. And Definitely. So thank you for watching <laughs> and hopefully you continue to support. Uh, hopefully we'll have more in terms of collaboration, uh, mm -hmm. not just in terms of partnership, but maybe we have some more activities between our communities, uh, for the other communities as well as you know, IOTEX, and mm -hmm. see if we have some more campaign together. That'd be great. For sure, yes. And that's why I'm very happy that uh, Suravis has this sort of insight and uh, view on the community. And it's definitely a pleasure having you here and uh, sharing your insights and your knowledge because we're doing these interviews, these sessions uh, for you, our community, in order to show you the different um, a projects that exist in the space, the use cases that they're focusing on, different regions, how the blockchain and crypto space is evolving in different parts of the world to also, I guess, maybe inspire some of you to contribute and become the, the 
the early adopters of the technology of the idea to get on board and even start creating something um, on your own or contributing to, to existing products that, that you like and definitely I like um, the ask questions, ask questions, challenge, test, um, get more involved with the founders of the projects and uh, don't hope for I guess an easy gain because with an easy gain um, there's always a drawback so you have to it's about the tech and I think all of us are here because of the technology behind it not so much the make money fast and like I don't know get rich in your 30s or sort of thing right it's it's not about that any any big technology innovations or any world innovations that did take time they failed many many times before they were improved and even the internet and the social media and all the things that are already familiar to us we didn't understand them at the beginning everybody was like what is internet right we had no idea because it was a new concept similar right now to the blockchain space and the projects that exist and the ideas that they have things that they're building it's um, it's not yet second nature to us so we're still it's gonna take time for us to to get familiar with it to understand it more but it's about having these sort of environments uh, collaborating with each other being open not closed projects and um, not sharing your insights or uh, opinions skills that you have it's more about being very community driven very open-minded active easy easy to reach right I think reachable is another thing that you can you're able to to get the CEO the co-founder of any project um, on telegram or um, have them have a chat with you and tell you more about their project so yes please do support um, us give it a like to this video and uh, we will definitely prepare something interesting for you in the future in order to reward you for your time and attention thank you so much thank you. see you again